0: When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's the report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John, Lynn, alongside Al Renato, aka as New York Sports Radio fans. Know him, the great Al from White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report, here on Tuesday, September 24th, from eight to nine Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you miss the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at eight p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on. Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, as well as at LondonBridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929 274 3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929 274 3437. This week, week three in the National Football League. Some teams improved some teams were disapproved of, and the Daniel Jones era begins in New York. But is it really the best thing New York sports fans have seen in years? Check your sources, we're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. As we say on this show, nothing circles the wagons quite like the National Football League and while just in week 3, the excitement continues each and every Sunday. Excitement for some teams that have proven themselves, not so much excitement for some teams that don't look great, maybe have had their seasons lost already. Excitement especially in the city of New York as the Daniel Jones era for the New York Giants kicked off with more than a bang, more than an explosion. You could hear it around the world. Daniel Jones gets his first win in his first career start for the New York Giants and has given them hope. Listen to you
1: like a man who had him anointed for a top six pick. Oh, big John tiny one. My partner is trying to deflect anything and everything he can away from his own three Broncos who may not win a football game. So we go to the sixth overall pick in the draft who brought his team back from the abyss yesterday without his prize running back, without a slew of his receivers and found a way in swing and sway Tampa Bay to bring them back from a huge deficit when it looked like they were all but done and really do anything and everything you could hope for a young quarterback to do. Stand in the pocket, take hits, show his ability to find secondary receivers, clock management, using the part of the field that was advantageous to the down and distance and at game's end doing something that Eli Manning I'm not going to say could never do but hasn't been able to do for a very very long time spot a gaping hole when there was no spy on the quarterback and waltz into the end zone for the game tying touchdown uh, and then the Giants take the lead with the extra point proceed of course to let Tampa go right down the field and line up for what should have been a chippy game-winning field goal. And then, of course, the wisdom of Coach uh, Bruce when he he says, I'm trying to set my guy up uh, because he likes it a little further back. He didn't want that 27-yarder. So let's go back to 32, which is basically the same distance from which you already missed two extra points, and let's give that another shot. And lo and behold, somehow, someway, he pushes it just right. And the New York football giants, as they like to say in these parts, get their first win of the year and all are anointing the choice of Daniel Jones as the sixth overall pick in the draft. Much higher than we all thought he should have been taken. But nonetheless, taken as it was, with the first of their three picks, gets a Duke, no pun intended in his first start as a New York football giant in the National Football League. The Giants are on the board. Eli watched calmly, was supportive. Giants players were pumped up, The coach was thrilled. And the kid did, you know, I, I mean, he did everything you would want him to do. Do you have a turnover? Sure, he got it in the pocket, uh, empty, you know, empty hand coming forward. But he rallied from that, he showed he's got guts, he showed he's got grit, he showed he's got talent. It's one week, but the results are a hell of a lot better for the Giants than they were the last two weeks. One and
0: two, and right in the hunt. Right in the hunt is right, and that could be said for a lot of one and two or zero oh and three teams to this point in the National Football League. Although, hope is one thing, results are another. We'll see if those teams can get out of the gutter and do something for themselves. Unfortunately for the Giants, injury to one Saquon Barkley, supposedly going to be out four to six weeks, looking like the longer of the recovery. So we'll see what Daniel Jones is able to do without him in the game at all. But without him in the game for most of the game, he did what he had to do. And again I the Tampa Bay quarter, Bucks, but hey.
1: I saw I saw a quarterback who looked like he had an excellent rapport with his receivers. I saw guys who really made some serious efforts to make big catches. His receivers made some big plays for him. They fought for the football, guys making catches that get both feet down. Look, some of his throws weren't exactly, you know, pinpoint accuracy, but his guys and this I'm not knocking him. He's making a lot of these throws were under pressure. You know, the giant offensive line is very questionable, but he stood in. He made some big throws. He made some throws that were not perfect, but you know the deal. You got to trust you guys to make plays. And he has his wide receivers and his tight ends made some really nice catches in and around the sidelines, fought for extra yards. And they look like they were, I don't want to say playing for their quarterback, but they look like they were very comfortable playing with their quarterback. And that is a great site for Giant fans. It's one week, like we said, but you must start somewhere. And you can't start any better than that.
0: Well, apparently all he had to do, as ESPN's NFL Nation tweeted out, covering the Giants, there was a point in the second quarter Daniel Jones went into the huddle and said, an earmuffs for the kids of the new report. Kids?
1: Kids? Okay, the old report. You know, we
0: don't care. Yeah, you the kids and the new,
1: the, the, the new, 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 kids for the new report.
0: <laughs> turn away. We could talk like this to the old report. Apparently, he went into the huddle and said, "Let's fucking score." And guys were taken aback; had never seen that side of him. Seen him curse. Moments later, he pulled his own read and ran in for a touchdown. Had the sideline buzzing and tweet. So all it took was an f bomb, and the team rallied behind him.
1: And <laughs> so, when you watched it when you watch that play again that that's a you know, did Eli Manning make that kind of run around the right side in his youth I don't even know if Eli Manning makes that play as a rookie uh, I don't say lack of athleticism but not a whole lot of speed he showed a lot of athleticism and a lot of speed on that sprint to the corner you know, got to the flag, pressure coming, and didn't pull up, didn't go down, didn't look to find a way out of bounds. Headed for that flag, had the angle to get there, got it, and it, it kind of got the ball rolling for him. He's got probably more athleticism than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. A six foot four kid out of Duke. You know, he's got to be the studious type. He's the second coming of Eli. He's going to stay in the pocket. He's not going to move around much. Not a lot of athleticism or raw athletic ability. Well, he showed just the opposite yesterday. He really did. And, you know, obviously there's a lot more that we're going to see in the coming weeks. But as I said before, it's a hell of a start for the kid. And you have to be happy for him because he was very maligned by a lot of people. I don't want to say maligned by yours truly, because I did not have anything against Daniel Jones, and I saw him play some in college, but you know, it, it's hard to figure out what he was playing for that school in that conference, usually overmatched. Did I see ability? Yes. Did I see the sixth pick in the draft? Of course not. Did I think he was a, a potential late or early second or mid-second round pick, for you know, early first, late, late first, early second, mid-second? Sure, and I still think the Giants could have gotten him you know, at the back end of the first round and gotten more of an impact player up top. But look, at the end of the day, if it works out, then it was the best decision. And I was dead wrong, you know, because that means it was the right decision. And we will absolutely see what happens, but he's already made an impact, a bigger impact than the first overall pick in the draft, (laughs) who had an abysmal day yesterday. So uh, I I think... uh, I think it was also the right time for the decision to be made uh, off to an 0-2 start uh, the offense, not doing much with Eli at the helm, pretty much start running back doing everything, even though he did carry the ball that much. And you know, why not? Why not? You're going to wait. You're going to wait to your own six or two and eight. At least I'm not saying the giants are a playoff contender, but at least you do this when the season still has a chance and you have fans interest. You start him in game eight, you've lost the fans for eight weeks, or, or another six weeks, and they're clamoring, and it's an uncomfortable situation for everybody. You put him in now, and people will watch. People will go. People will be interested. They want to see what he's going to do. They want to see if he's going to give them that hope. They want to see if he's going to be the next guy. And people will be patient. People are patient with young players. They're not patient with old players. They're not patient with guys who continue to struggle, and you go with them. They're not patient with vagabonds who you throw in. They are patient with youth because they know youth has the potential to get better and improve and be their guy. And you watch giant fans will be patient with it. Mark my words.
0: Little note on that athleticism you mentioned. Daniel Jones reached 19.47 miles per hour on that seven yard touchdown run. And is now responsible for two of the fastest speeds reached by a quarterback this season, Al. One, can you guess? Who number one and number two would be on this list? Fastest QB. So Lamar Jackson. Number Lamar one. Lamar Jackson. Yes. Okay. Number and, two.
1: And, 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 and um uh... well, it's got to be somebody who's on a dead sprint. So who else is on a dead sprint? Russell Wilson is occasional. He never seems to sprint. He seems to like, you know, always have head up and always looking to throw and then always looking to get out of harm's way.
0: Uh how about this? How about Mitchell Trubisky? Oh, wow. That was a that was a good shot. Kyler Murray, number two. Okay. Makes nineteen sense. seven eight, nineteen yeah, seven two respectively. And then Daniel makes Jones sense. comes in nineteen point five one and Right there. 47. Not a distant third, not a distant third, a close third. Yeah. I mean, Eli, I don't think at any point in his career is getting close to those types Eli of not doesn't, Eli doesn't drive that fast. No, no. And that's, that's probably a true statement. Here's one thing I did want to run by you regarding the Daniel Jones hype and something that the old report could certainly contribute to this conversation from one Rich Eisen, who put out a tweet regarding Daniel Jones. With the Knicks and Jets and Mets and Nets, and even the Yankees coming up short all decade. Daniel Jones stepping up and winning as he did today for the Giants is one of the most exciting New York sports moments in years, period. Uh, then he I, adds, for real, period. Help me here, Al. Help me. I,
1: I, I, I think, and, and I go back to the very beginning, when he was on Sports Center, Rich Eisen is a stand-up comic you now. And Rich Eisen has shown, with that uh, little passage, that Rich Eisen has not lost his sense of humor in his prior occupation as a stand-up comedian. Because it's obviously, that is ridiculous. It is a laughingstock to think that that was one of the most exciting moments okay, uh, in New York sports in recent years. The Mets just went to the World Series a few years ago. Uh, the Yankees had an incredibly exciting seven-game series a couple of years ago out of nowhere in Joe last year, uh, falling a buck short to go to the World Series. And, uh, I mean, I-, I don't know how you can even remotely come close to comparing what happened yesterday, one single football game, to teams that are this close to playing for a championship or playing for a championship. Yesterday, just one regular season football game of 16. Yes, by a young quarterback who may be the next quarterback for the franchise. But it pales in comparison to the opportunity and the excitement created by the postseason with the New York Mets of a few years ago uh, when they knocked off the Cubs and went to the World Series and lost to Kansas City. And it pales in comparison to uh, the Pinstripers going on the great run with Joe Girardi and, you know, the upstart young team that nobody expected and losing. The people actually liked. They were no longer the Antichrist. They were no longer the team that uh, you have to root against. They were the team that people liked. And then they go in fire Joe Girardi and people started to not like him again. Because you had the older manager who was on the last year of his contract who wasn't getting the extension and everybody thought deserved one and should have gotten one. Did a great team. A great job with the young team. And they let him go and go to the announcer's booth and bring in, um, I bring in Aaron Boone and he's got a ready-made team and they have a terrific year last year, but the fall short in the playoffs. They have another terrific year this year, uh, despite all the injuries and we'll see how well they're going to do in the postseason. So I, I don't, and I dig for like I said, loved him on sports. there. got it, got it. That was one of Rich's calls. Um, there's just no comparison in my mind. No comparison how one football game can even remotely be as exciting, as important, or move a fan base like a playoff run. Not even close.
0: Well, even if you take out baseball, alright, people aren't necessarily always interested in baseball. Got it. Even if you take out the word decade, and you the, take Carmelo the, Anthony if I can out interrupt, the next. If I can interrupt sure. for a minute, this town, they are, this
1: is a baseball town.
0: oh yes absolutely absolutely
1: so we're talking about New York so he's and, he's and he's talking about exciting moments in New York New York as popular as the Giants are as incredibly popular when they're good and even when they suck as the Knicks are the Knicks fill the building and they're hideous. they're awful people don't go to Giants games when they're awful the tickets get sold to you know the, the, there's more people from from that are cowboy fans Eagle fans at Giant games when they're awful. The Knicks, it's always full, and they're terrible. The excitement they generate when they're good, which is rare, is amazing. But this is a baseball town. There is nothing generated in terms of excitement like Yankee, Met, postseason runs. They take this town over like nothing else.
0: We take baseball out. We'll take the Knicks out, Carmelo, Jeremy Lin, those runs We'll take out the word decade. We'll we'll just look at the the here and now, as they say. What have you done for me lately? The Nets just signed Kevin Durant, Al. The city was on fire. You're going to tell me that this game trumps that? You got the best player in basketball. Oh, and oh, by the way, and by the way,
1: I know, I know, by, the way I know, by the way, a pretty good guard to go with him, who basically. Won a championship for LeBron James in Kyrie Irving.
0: I know so, you're a Jets I'm fan, lost. Rich, and it's been tough sledding for a long time since 2010, making the postseason. But, dear Lord above, this trumps all of that. This one game. Come back to us next week. It's Who knows even, what's going to happen? The guy missed a field goal. Al. They would have lost not the even, game. It's not even in the discussion.
1: It doesn't merit a discussion. The comment is outlandish. It's outrageous. And it's coming from a guy who's a Jet fan, and it's coming from a guy who works for the NFL Network. So he's going to pump up football, which is great. I understand that. But it is literally, now, as the great Christopher Mantog Russo has said so many times, it's not a pimple on the fan. It's not a pimple on the fanny. Of a, I, 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 of a Yankee playoff run. Come on, Rich, face. I'm sorry, it's not close. It's not even close. Uh, not even close. I'm sorry to get that
0: out. Does, does
1: it, Doesn't it deserve a mention in that topic of discussion.
0: <laughs> Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's El Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. All right. Give us a little rundown about your Baltimore Ravens. Quite the showing against the Chiefs. There were a couple quarters, a couple moments where you thought, oh, maybe you know, they don't really have it against a superior team or, or a very good team in the Chiefs, and the Ravens will be great, but they might not be able to get over the hump, but hey, they had a puncher's chance. They came back. They showed that they're one of the teams to beat in the AFC. I thought it was a fantastic game. They're a
1: really good team. They have a lot of weapons on offense. They have a quarterback who's improving all the time and incredibly athletic. And they have the, one, of, one of the best defenses in the National Football League, which, despite that, you know, a, that's what makes the Chiefs so difficult to beat. This is a, a excellent Ravens defense, and he shredded it for about Two quarters, and that was enough uh, to put the Ravens in the big enough of a hole. Now they had a terrible call go against them early in the game. They had a holding penalty against one of their wide receivers that nullified a long run uh, that would have put them in position uh, to, I believe, retake the lead. Or because they, yeah, I got confused because they they missed that early extra point when they went for the two point conversion. So I think that would have given them the chance, to, depending on what they did. Go for another two-week conversion, go ahead, or kick one and tie it. But I believe it was when they were down one score. And that killed that drive, and then you looked up, and they were down three scores. But they marched on, they fought, they got some stops, they got some quick scores. Lamar Jackson uh, showed he has the ability to lead comebacks. He didn't give up. They didn't get too much down the field. They ran the ball incredibly well. Uh, they scored relatively quickly. It wasn't the old two yards and, and the cloud of dust Raven running game. It was a Raven running game that was you know, getting, getting getting yards in chunks, not 20 and 30 yards. But if you look at Ingram's numbers, uh, he had a very good game. And they were actually in position uh, a couple different times. Uh, for some reason, John Harbaugh goes for a two point conversion down 11. I haven't figured that one out. Um, nor will I ever, unless you said we're gonna we're gonna get to nine now so we can get the touchdown and kick the field goal later. I don't quite buy the logic when you can always get the field goal and, and the touchdown two point conversion later on. And he said that, every time we went for the two point conversion, you're the analytics call for I don't agree, but regardless of that, they actually had this down to a one score game and third nine. Um, Kansas City ball with. Time to make that stop, get the ball back, and go down the field for what would either be a tying score or if they went for two again, a winning score. But third and nine screen play went for about 18-20 yards, and that was all she wrote. Look, this Kansas City offense is loaded. They have just incredible weapons. This quarterback is a phenom. He is literally a phenom. The way he throws the football, his ability to find open receivers and make a just a plethora of throws at such a young age he's we know he's got a rocket but he has the ability to make touch throws in all areas of the field to throw the ball different arm angles um he really is a stunning player he really is i mean this is what i'm thinking Rodgers. Could have looked like potentially earlier if he had gotten the chance after one year. Instead of you can refresh my recollection, would he sit behind fire for three years?
0: Yeah, I believe so. Was, was it three?
1: Whereas he sat behind Alex Smith for one year, and everybody asked, you know, why did you draft him? Why did you draft him? Why did you draft him? Why did you trade up the draft? Him? Well, if we haven't figured out yet, you may question Andy Reid's clock management. You may question Andy Andy Reid's refusal to run the ball in certain instances one thing you can never question Andy Reed's ability to pick quarterbacks he knows quarterbacks he knows how to pick them he knows how to coach him he knows how to nurture them. and this kid is his next Frankenstein and man oh man is he an NFL monster the Ravens played about as well as they could under the circumstance they're in Kansas City and they made a couple mistakes penalty wise that really hurt them as I said before Missed a couple two-point conversions. They decided to be very aggressive and go for virtually every fourth down that they had with the attitude of, why give them the ball back? If we give them the ball back at midfield or we give them the ball back on the 30, what's the difference? If we give them the ball back at our own 40, all right, or, or, or their 25, what's the difference? They're going to hit a couple plays anyway. So let's try and keep the ball. They tried to play keep away. And I admire the approach because that's really the only way you stop Kansas City unless you're lucky enough to be New England and catch them on a tough day whatever the case may be in the Belichick genius. But the point is they were still right there. So we know they can play with them. And you know Jackson was not the same Jackson we saw the last couple of weeks, but he did rebound. He did not turn it over again. And that is huge. You know, again, he protect, protecting the football is a big thing for Jackson fumbles interceptions, no turnovers for the third straight week. He takes care of the football. They're going to be an 11, five, maybe 12 and four football team, but Yesterday came up a little short. Expect didn't expect them to win. Love the competitiveness. Love the swagger when we they went in there and played. They played to win the game. They didn't play the game to stay close. They didn't play the game, uh you know, to try and hang with them. They went there to try and ram the ball down their throat and score every time they had the ball. I love the attitude.
0: Yeah, if you're a Ravens fan, aside from a win. You don't want any moral victories in loss, but you have to look at this game and, and just think, what could be? It's only week three, still getting your feet wet as a team in general, Lamar Jackson's still getting his feet wet in the National Football League. And to go a touchdown away from winning a game against the Kansas City Chiefs, from what we've seen from them, it, it's got to be reassuring to think, all right, if we were to play them later in the season, should we meet again in the postseason? We've got one game under our belts. We'll improve as a team as we go on. And if we stay healthy, we got a chance to win this game. And there's not many teams that could say that against the Chiefs.
1: That's what makes next week so intriguing now, because the Ravens go home and who do the Ravens take on? They take on in an early, incredibly huge AFC North game. They take on the Browns who are one and two. Everybody's darling who has struggled offensively, uh, Defense played very, very well against the Rams last night. Put their best foot forward. But they're calling the play calling into questioning. Uh, The the offensive line's inability to protect Baker Mayfield. Their inability to run the ball. Freddie Kitchen says it's on me with the play calling, as I think it should be. The play calling last night was mind-boggling. The fourth and nine draw play, amazing. And then you're down in their territory at the five-yard line. And you got all four, all three of your timeouts, and you don't run the ball once. The Browns are supposed to be about running the football with Nick Chubb. Line up, ram it down their throat. Diversity. And you throw the ball out of an empty backfield all four times. Obviously, when you go empty, you have no threat of the run. So they're just teeing off on Baker Mayfield. You know, Aaron Donald became his best friend, his closest friend. It, it's remarkable what. Play calling uh, takes place when you get down and around the goal line. How teams continually just want to go away from the threat of the run. I've never been able to understand it. I don't understand it. I, I, the spread them out wide routine, when you've got such little room to work with, you gotta, you've got you got all your timeouts to work with. You can run the ball twice there. You, know, you can try a quarterback draw on third down. You can run with Chubb. You know, on first down, you can do a multitude of things. And they ran really four pass plays that none of them ever really looked like they had any chance of being completed. So I thought the play calling was incredibly poor. The fourth and nine calls we talked about I alluded to earlier was I don't know if he didn't realize what down it was, or if he just thought, you know, I'm gonna catch everybody coming. And somehow, some way, he's going to break free on, on, a, on a fourth and nine draw, and he got maybe three, four yards. It wasn't close. You know, you put the hand, the ball in the hands of your quarterback, and I'm trying to make a play. If you're going to go for it, I just didn't understand that call at all. And I thought Freddie Kitchens would be okay. Everything we talked about a couple weeks ago was with the Browns in the preseason. All the controversy and discussion and pundits were: Can Freddie Kitchens handle this? Is Freddie Kitchens ready for this? He's never been head coach before. He was quarterback at Alabama. Can he step from coordinator slash play caller to full-time coach and still do what he had done before? Well, so far, um, my confidence in Freddie Kitchens, at least with yesterday's performance, was misplaced. I thought he would be fine, and I thought that should have been the last of their worries. Well, their offense is not doing all the things we thought their offense was going to do. They're not protecting the quarterback. They're not running the football very well. They're not finding open space for their playmakers. Uh, we don't see Beckham except for the catch and run against the Jets or Landry really catching the ball in space where they can make big-time plays. And that's a great deal of what we expected. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, again, it's early, but they go into Baltimore to take on what is probably going to be a very angry, Baltimore Raven defense after, from their perspective, they were embarrassed by Patrick Mahomes. And when that defense gets angry, it's not a defense that you want to play. And that is a huge swing game in the division because we know the Bengals are already out of it. Uh, my hot mess team, the Steelers are 0-3 and looking like 4-12. and So these teams are either going to be even or somebody's going to have a two-game lead. Huge game, both teams. Very curious to see how they both come off of losses. Uh, one, not that there's such a thing as a good loss, but let me say not a bad loss by the Ravens and a bad loss by the Browns. Yes, against a good 3-0 Ram team, but at home and a game they hit every opportunity.
0: I loved the play calling on the last drive by the Browns, and that's because I have the Rams' defense on my fantasy team, and by holding them to 13 points, I won for the week. So cheerio to Freddie Kitchens for whatever those four play calls were. I am shocked that they didn't try to run at least once. Seemed like the running game was something they had done okay with to that point, not something that you could put on video but not something that you should feel have fear to go to and I think with the Rams defense and with the play calling some of it was Baker maybe hearing feet or seeing ghosts or whatever you want to say but when he was releasing the ball in fewer than two seconds his numbers were grand when he stood in the pocket for more than two seconds he was eight for 21 or, or something not good I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know the longer he stayed in the pocket, the worse off he was. And that seemingly was what they tried to do for that last possession there. Keep him in the pocket and try to make something happen. And as you mentioned, it didn't look like any of the plays were going to work. So that was before, disappointing to see.
1: Before, before we leave that game, and look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I look at the 22. And I can break down X's and O's and cover twos, but I do know one thing. I I can't remember the last time I've seen a better defensive player than Aaron Donald. He is simply a total and complete dominant football player. He is a force of one. He is unblockable by one man. What he does against double teams is amazing. He is as quick as a cat, and he is just – he throws guys aside like they're ragdolls. His quickness, his strength, his technique, amazing. Absolutely amazing. And he plays with a passion. It's just, it—it it is remarkable to see and watch him play um, at, at the highest level, the way he dominates. It, it really is amazing. And He's it's,
0: a, 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 Absolutely amazing. It's player. hard not to hear footsteps when you've got a guy looking at you named Aaron Donald and you're trying to make something happen for the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be interesting to see what happens if things continue to go south. And we mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about what this season would look like. What would happen to the Browns if things went a little bit sour in the early going, if they would be vocal behind each other or if they would be vocal in finger-pointing? And Freddie Kitchens after the game already said, blame me for everything. I don't know if Cleveland might have taken a step back ownership-wise and, and thought to themselves, maybe we didn't hang on to the right coach, but we'll see if that comes into play. Odell has been saying all the right things. Jarvis yes, Landry's been saving all the right things. So up till now, and Baker Mayfield as well. Reporters Baker are going Mayfield, after him Baker for the Mayfield last couple the of plays. Yep. To his credit, today
1: you're going to talk about the play calling. He's got nothing to play calling. Plays come in, our job is to execute. We exactly.
0: didn't execute. We are executing.
1: That is on us. Not to play call, and you know Beckham said go film, but you know, Coach Freddy, as he calls him, has been terrific. We're all behind him, uh, you know, one voice, etc. So, you know, we will uh, we will see what transpires next week in Baltimore. I think that's going to be probably uh, at least early on one of the two most interesting games of the week.
0: Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And we don't want to give the Browns wins or losses, but we mentioned this last week. A lot of people had them making a deep run into the postseason, but it seems like not a lot of pundits took a couple seconds just to look at what their schedule looks like. Heading into week nine, because as you mentioned, we're going to Baltimore next week. The defense is going to be incredibly angry. Then we're going to San Francisco, which you would think, uh, you know, San Francisco's been eh. They're winning but games. games. But they're, but they're, winning they're, games. No. But they're, they're eh, so eh, maybe. They're eh, 3-0. Yeah, they're an eh, 3 no. And then you're Seattle, who's probably still going to be pissy after losing to th- this past week. To Teddy Bridgewater. To know, Teddy yes. Bridgewater. So then you get a bye, and then you have to go to New England. <laughs> I mean, f- well, find two wins. Maybe you'll get one. Then it's week nine, you play Denver, and we know how that's going to go. So survive to week nine, I guess. But we'll see what happens. If, you know, they're one and six, one and seven. What's going to happen to that team?
1: You hope it's not an instant replay of what happened, as alluded to a couple of shows ago. A few years back, when the Browns made the big run and fell short with Derek Anderson in the last game of the season and spit the bit against uh, the Bengals, when they had Braylon Edwards uh, and a multitude of what it looked like uh, weapons that were going to make them uh, an exciting team, they were scheduled for three Monday night appearances, if you recall, the first time they had been scheduled for that many Monday night appearances in many a moon. And they just fell flat on their faces. They were the fly boys. They were the new kid in town. They were everybody's Cinderella story. They were the new Browns who were finally back and ready to make a playoff run. And they absolutely fell on their face and had a hideous season. Uh, and it all fell apart quickly and has been literally a mess ever since, uh, this season prior when they fell uh, one game short of making the postseason. And I don't want to wish an instant replay on the likes of Baker Mayfield, who I like a lot and I'm a big fan of. I uh, really couldn't give a rat's ass about anybody else, but I dig Baker Mayfield. I love the attitude that he plays with. I like the way he plays. I love them in Oklahoma. He can quarterback my team any day of the week, but if you can't block for him, you know the story. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you have time to throw Those guys are coming quicker and quicker and quicker. You feel them coming quicker and quicker and quicker. And you don't have a lane to see through. You don't have time to step up in the pocket and finish your throw. You're throwing off the back foot. You're rolling out all the time to get away from pressure. Half the field's being cut off on you as a result. That nearly is effective, and you can't find those weapons when you don't have the time to throw, and there's only a small window. You know, one of those throws most successful, those small window throws. When you have time to throw, yes, Patty Mahomes makes some remarkable throws into portholes on the dead run. But he is a unique and extraordinary player, probably unlike no other in this league, with a possible exception of you know Aaron Rodgers when he was younger, because Aaron Rodgers is not a kid anymore, and he can't move and throw on the run the way he used to. Between his age and his injury, he can still do it and do it incredibly well. But he's not going to do it the way he used to. Patty Mahomes does things that are just simply extraordinary. And Baker Mayfield, one of his strengths is his accuracy. But if you don't have time to throw, or there are no windows to put the ball in with that accurate arm, then you know, your ass is grass. And that's what it's been so far for the Browns. You know, in the in these two losses, there just has not been time to throw inability to really run the football, questionable play calling, very inconsistent play calling, and you know, the weakness of their team, which everybody focused on in the preseason, was the offensive line, and it has been weak. And you can't win if you can't protect the quarterback in this league.
0: Don't want to write them off yet, of course, but we know what happens in this league if you fall to 1-2 and two, and especially if you fall to 0-3. Oh The numbers just don't help when it comes to just making the postseason in general, but in winning the Super Bowl, very few and far between for teams to be able to do that falling to one and two. And unfortunately, the Browns are there. And there's other teams throughout the league that have fallen to one and two. And now those red flags start going up. Now if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, now if you're the Falcons, now, if you're the Panthers,, uh, but for the Eagles, I guess specifically, unfortunately for them, they had a mispractice one day last week yeah. they didn't have enough guys. It's like a high school team that's everybody's playing both sides, and you don't have enough people out there you, you got to only run half a practice you're calling people from other sports teams to just stand in and get ready for the game. ton of injuries we get it, but such is the National Football League. You have to be able to respond at home. They lose a close one. Now you got to dig yourself out of a hole while you're watching Dallas run through the NFC to this point. Not good if you're an Eagles fan.
1: Well, the, the ironic thing is that everybody talked about the fact that the Eagles roster was probably, in terms of talent, the deepest in the league. And lucky it is because they have just been – totally and completely ravaged by injuries on both sides of the ball and their quarterback i mean he's almost like a fighter who prefers to get hit he finds a way to take hits whether he's in the pocket out of the pocket holding the ball a touch too long trying to go for that extra five yards on a scramble he manages to take more hard clean hits than any young quarterback I have seen in recent memory. And he took some more yesterday, and if he keeps it up, it's going to be a short season. You can't absorb that kind of punishment. Not against these guys. These guys are, I, I say this politely, I say this uh, in a complimentary fashion. These guys are monsters. They are athletic monsters. They are guided missiles. They are running 4-4, four, 4-5, four, four, Five at six foot four, six foot five, and 250 pounds with a mission to annihilate you, to run through you, and you know if you don't get your ass out of the way, you know the truck's coming, man. I mean, move over to the side of the road. Carson Wentz has got to let discretion be the better part of valor sometimes. He's just taken way too many. I mean, he's got he's starting to look already like Cam Newton. He's starting to get beat up with debilitating injuries at a very young age that are, are going to sideline him for games, seasons, and Nick Foles is gone. No more Nick. So there's nobody waiting in the wings to, to ride in on the white horse and take this team you know, to the postseason and a magical mystery tour for Super Bowl title and damn close last year again. Uh, if not for a drop pass against Saints, the Saints. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Je- the Al- Alshon Jeffrey dropped the pass that turned into the interception against the Saints. So, it, you know, those kinds of uh, of decisions by a quarterback are going to determine whether or not he becomes an old quarterback in this league. And it remains to be seen, because I do not have a lot of confidence in Carson Wentz to make the right decisions to protect his se- himself. Not off of what I've seen so far at the beginning of this season. Because he's got to mature and realize the best thing for my team is for me to be on the field. And so far, I've seen him take enough hits that if he takes it, too many of them to like him. He's not going to be on the field for very long. And once that happens, you can stick a fork in the Eagles. They're done.
0: Done. Well, it doesn't get easy on a short week going to Green Bay. And as Aaron Rodgers thankfully told the press, couldn't hold this end, that he left the game probably with the cleanest jersey he's ever left a game with. I feel, I feel great. I feel great, he says. Great, Aaron. I've, ne- I've never felt better. Thank God you had to let us all in on that little secret. We couldn't have done without it. So they go there, and that Packers defense, they're going to be hungry. Then you play the Jets. All right. Thank goodness. But then you go to Minnesota. <laughs> That's the second bye week. That's the second bye week. But then you go to Minnesota. Then you go to Dallas. And then you go to Buffalo who may or may not be for real, probably the latter, but their record would say otherwise. And then the Bears come to town, and then you have to play the Patriots. Not easy for the Eagles either. You just can't let it slip away. Give yourself a puncher's chance to at least maybe get in as a wild card, but that's not going to be easy either.
1: Starts are so important. Starts are so important when you only have 16 games and you are losing games to teams that you Are better than because those chances don't come again. You don't get another bite at that apple. As you just alluded to, if you can't make hay in the weaker part of the schedule, and you wind up against the eight ball, and all of a sudden you're playing, you know, a healthy, loaded Green Bay team. You're playing a Minnesota team that has turned back the clock and said, you know, we're 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 not going to give the ball to our quarterback unless we absolutely positively have to throw the ball. We're going to let them throw it to surprise people. Other than that, we're going to jam it down your throat on one side of the ball, and we're going to kick your ass on the other side of the ball. And that's what they're doing uh, two out of three weeks, and that's what they should do every week because we know Kirk Cousins is hideous when you try and rely on Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is an okay quarterback when they throw via setting it up with the run. When they just drop back and fire it uh, to fire it first, then it turns into a hot mess, uh, as we saw last week against the Packers when the first priority is giving the ball to Delvin Cook, you know, one of my favorite players in the league, out of Florida State, where he's really coming to his own and is right now the hottest running back in the league, I would say. Um, That's the route that Minnesota needs to take. Run the football, turn loose that massive defensive line and that strong defense. Throw the football when the run sets it up because you have the receivers. You certainly have the, the, the set of receivers uh, they can make plays. But don't put everything on your quarterback. It's as simple as that. Uh, your quarterback is your secondary offensive weapon, not the guy that you are going to rely on to win games. And once they figure that out, they will be a lot better off. And hopefully they have figured it out for their sake. And they will be a load. They will be a handful to play, plain and simple, if they're going to approach it with that. And, and Delvin Cook stays healthy. Remember, Cook got hurt last year. Early on, he's never the same. When he's healthy, he is a very difficult guy
0: to defend. Quick one before the six pack, which I hope you all faded accordingly. It would have been a very prosperous week for you as you did so. I thought, huge win for the Saints. Improving to two and one, knocking the Seahawks off to two and one, but Teddy Bridgewater did enough. He found Alvin Kamara whenever he could. In Seattle, coming away with a win, Russell Wilson throws for 406 and two touchdowns, but as we know, usually when he has to throw a lot, that's not a good sign for Seattle. As we had mentioned earlier, for the Saints, you're looking to just survive in advance until Drew Brees returns, and they're off to a great start beating the Seahawks. I know they got to play Dallas. That's not going to be an easy game, but... You're playing Tampa Bay, you're playing at Jacksonville, and you're playing at Chicago, and you're playing against the Cardinals before the week nine bye. All of those games except for Dallas are winnable games. And we mentioned you split those. You're good. You're fine. Get to 500. Drew Brees comes back. Even if he needs an extra game against the Falcons, we know that God knows what's going to happen with them. Heading into week 10, I thought this was a great step in the right direction, and Teddy Bridgewater was like, hey, yeah. Everybody thought we were done. No Drew Brees. We're all right. We just beat Seattle. I thought it was a great start for them to, to on the road to getting Drew Brees back and making the playoffs.
1: It's, it's, it's a mammoth win. That's a, that's a win if you make the postseason. You'll circle that win as the one that really got you moving in the right direction. And if you look at this, you know this is where the stats lie. If you look at the statistics in this game, it looks like you would think the final score would be like 42 to 14, Seattle. And the time of possession, first downs, yards, yards per throw, but special teams and a couple of turnovers slash mistakes. Um, and lo and behold, the Saints go up And really, to me, get a, a stunning win. Absolutely stunning. Uh, the ease with which they got it, had the whole game, Seattle never really got close enough to challenge. And you know kudos to the Saints for losing their leader and pulling up their britches and going out there in a very difficult place to play and getting it done. And I don't want to say saving their season, but getting their season going in the right direction.
0: And it was a touchdown as time expired to get it to within six. So the score makes it seem even closer than it really was as far as the stats go for that game. So great win. And folks... All you have to know is this, when you lay your head down tonight on your pillow or whatever you like to sleep on, close your eyes and think, man, I have just as many sacks, just as many interceptions, and just as many forced fumbles as the Denver Broncos do in the National Football League. Because that number would be zero. So y'all could be NFL players through three weeks. That's been the story for the Denver Broncos. Lord, to, help us and save us.
1: Hard to envision with a defensive line with that kind of talent to not have—they uh, have no sacks.
0: No sacks through three games. Three games. No, three no, games. Sacks. no, no sacks. interceptions. No forced fumbles. A quarterback can trip over his own feet by accident. He get a sack. Somebody's careless. They drop the ball. Fumble tipped interceptions that just I fall can't your believe
1: I, I, I can't believe they have a set
0: zero With the talent on that
1: defensive line that's shocking
0: the only other zero that we have on this show is in this week's sick back folks <laughs> this was a week for the ages because only the new report
1: and the old report could pull off what we managed to do this weekend because we're the only pair of guys that can go head-on-head head in a game, and neither one of us can win it. I'll lead it off with that. John and I were on opposite sides. I took the Ravens with the five. He laid the five. And our only non-loss of the weekend in our respective picks was that we got a push against each other <laughs> where at least one of us could have won, but no. Uh, because of a multitude of missed 2 conversions by the Ravens, one of us was cost. Uh, a, a one victory, one victory for the show.
0: Falcons too, we both took uh, getting a point and a half. They're dead to me. What are we going to learn? Dead to me. When are we going to learn? When
1: am I going to learn? I, I, how many times have I told you? I think Matty Ice is the most overrated quarterback. I don't. I, I don't think. I, I've never said he's not good. I said Kirk Cousins is not good. I said Kirk Cousins is mediocre at best. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback, but I think he's an incredibly overrated quarterback. And I've said time and time and time again, I'll never, ever, 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 ever bet on Matt Ryan. I love them in this game. Once again, I'm proving that I am right. That I should never, ever, ever, ever bet on
0: Matt Ryan. Then we decided to have some fun. Yes, we did. Patriots minus 21. I went Dolphins getting 22 and a half. Again, you would think... One of those would hit. As we say each week, fade accordingly in perhaps our most impressive total six pack to date zero, four, and two. Al, we'll do it again next week. And folks, we will have a report on the battle for supremacy
1: in the AFC East between the Buffalo Bills, three and out, and the defending world champion. New England Patriots, 3-0, as the Buffalo Mafia is pumped and primed to welcome Tom Brady and company into Western New York. It should be an instant classic, at least for a quarter. Pennant races all but settled in terms of divisions. Wild cards still just that. We will talk about all of it next week. For my partner, the great John Tiny One, I am Aronado, a.k.a. Alpha White Plains. Have a great